Welcome back, everyone, to another week with your host, Mordechai Weinberger. We will not be having Nissan joining us today, unfortunately, being that we are doing it now at a different schedule for today. So we'll be taking the calls solo. The number to call in to ask your question or comment is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. And today's program will also be for an hour and a half. So those are the little changes that we've got coming up. The number to call in, ask your question or comment is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. And the number to text your question is 347-927-8398. 347-927-8398. Eight, three, nine, eight. I would, as always, like to start with a huge shvach and hoidah to the Rabbi Nishleilam for everything that he's given me, my wife, but especially on this beautiful simcha that we have, my brother Yitzchak getting married to Rifki Landau, and they're now Yitzchak and Rifki Weinberger. It's a pleasure and Baruch Hashem. The simcha went so magnificent, so beautiful, as well as the Sheva brachas that we've been having. So we've been having from the Landau side from the Rosh Hashiva, the Rav, and all the siblings together, as well as also having from the Parnas side that was magnificent, we've just had from the Babi and Zaydi Parnas, as well as the Borg, Burgers, the Parnasses, of course, Schwartz, and everything else, and everyone else that is over there together. So may we continue to share of Simchas, and Kanai Nahar, tonight is the last night of Shever Brachas, so... It's, it's beautiful to see such a happiness, such achtas, so much together. Now the Rabbi Yishleilam we daven should be, should give them the schus to build the Ba'is Nam Yisrael, the Shem, Lotaferes, there should be a Kesher, Shal Kayama, an understanding, Ratzim having children, grandchildren, Gezimta Hayt, and be able to Zeichet to fear under the Chuppah. And to my grandmother, which is Baruch Hashem, a huge schus, a Holocaust, an Auschwitz survivor, still with the numbers on her hands, and Baruch Hashem to be able to come to the to be able to come to the Eifrov, Shabbos Sheva Brachas, and we worked so much around that we should have Bobby there, so it was beautiful to Bobby Perlstein. It was a schusen to have her at Sheva Brachas. She continued to fear Meretz Hashem, her last Einukul under the Chuppah coming up in the next two, three weeks, and continued to share Nachas and Simchas by all over. So Mazel Tov to the entire family, Mazel to everyone, and thank you all for all the messages that I'm getting to my phone line and sharing a Mazel Tov. The number to call in is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. All right, so we're going to go take over here um, one or two of the texts that we've got, but I'd really like to start with the callers. So I see the callers are starting to call in. Yes, please keep the calls coming in. I'd love to take them live. Um and let's go, where is that one? I like, we received one about OCD. Here. I'm Makana Yorschar. You're bringing amazing awareness. To some, you opened a whole new world that didn't exist. My question. A parent with OCD, child is four years old, showing possible symptoms. Example, she cried that I should straighten the tablecloth. Example, she cries when her mother's skirt is dirty. Big perfectionist. At what age is OCD diagnosed, and how do you deal with her mishigasin if it's not OCD? All right. Let's take this question for a moment, because there is so much important information needed and an awareness that we'd like to sort of share in so many different issues. 
Let's take the same question about OCD and just take it to confidence. What happens if a parent is lacking confidence? Why can't they just tell the kid, be confident? What's the big deal? And the answer is because so much of our chinuch, so much of what we teach is nonverbal. So much of what is learned is by our actions. Means, if you as a parent, let's say, has got OCD and you're busy cleaning your kid's clothing and, oh, it's not good, and you do it over and over, you, but you tell your child it's okay, but children learn from copying. Means they crawl, they walk, they listen. They we learn a language. Do we learn? How do we learn a language? We learn a language by listening to things. We copy it. We mirror them. We reflect it. And as we get it better and better, that's and once it's relatively satisfied to the family's level, then is that is when we stop growing. That is part of my issue with education that we always say. Two points that are one of the most important in the world, and I find no one gets any information. That is in marriage, how to improve and better your shalom bias, which everyone can use at all times, and parenting skills. Somehow, we're going to take information that we've never updated ourselves. Do you know how to drive a car? Do you know how to change whatever money that you're using? Do you know, are you using more modern diapers than you used 100 years ago? Information has changed. Yiddishkeit, we don't want to upgrade at chas v'shalom. Absolutely not. But there are technical bits of information that we did upgrade. Our family did want to trip to the Amish, and they changed, they stopped changing when buttons came out. And to them, buttons, wearing buttons on clothing is considered whatever, devil's work. So they don't wear buttons anymore. Do we have buttons? Yes. If it's not a Yiddishkeit Shiloh, if it's not a Hashkafa Shiloh, where, where, where the Rabbanim are having us saying what is right and what isn't right for each generation, because we are working with the generations, but that's a department we need a specialist there. We need to update our information. A lot of information is happening that we need to continuously update. One of them is how to deal with our Shalom bias. It's very different today than it was 100 or 200 years ago. And same with our parenting. There's a lot more skills that are needed for whatever has changed in the generations. About 100 years ago, as I'm reading a little bit as to what's going on, children were sent away from the houses at very young ages. You didn't have them home. People got married much, much earlier than we have today. There's so much that has changed in our dynamics. Parents are different. We need to, of course, go to a place where the Rabbanim are saying it's okay, where Hashkaf is okay, but our marriage and our parenting skills need to be updated. Now, why am I saying all this? Why I'm saying this reason is for a very simple purpose. If we have an issue, we're missing confidence, or we have OCD, we are actually teaching that behavior to our children. It's a reality. Reality is that that is what we are doing. Now, you might not be aware of it. There are very age-appropriate things for kids to do. And one of them is for things to... But if it's more than that, understand that you subconsciously, without being aware of how, or with all your conscious awareness that you should not create OCD in your children, you will be creating the behaviors, the patterns that unfortunately might later be diagnosed with a diagnosed level. I'm not going to tell you at what age do you diagnose OCD. Absolutely not. What I will tell you is stop going for therapy. You're seeing the signs. You're seeing the problems. So you're going to go send five or ten of your kids to therapy because you don't want to go because you're afraid because of your ego? Let's start waking up. And the same is with confidence. Stop assuming that confidence is telling your kid, be strong, fight. It's not the words. Confidence is an inner feeling. Confidence is the person that doesn't fight and feels so great within themselves. Confidence is the person that when someone could knock them down or make some verbal attacks and they still feel strong within themselves. Confidence is when you can 
say what you want, get it or not getting it, and feel good about yourself. Confidence isn't an action. Those people that don't have confidence are so busy with what they should do that no one should step on them. That's the biggest sign you're not confident. Confident are the people that can go to sleep saying, so I didn't do that business deal, and I can go to sleep happy. Confident is the person that said, I didn't bake a cake to this simcha, to this family party, and I can show up feeling just as comfortable and just as nice, and maybe I'll apologize, but I know I'm doing the best that I can. That is confidence. Okay. So now let's go ahead and start taking a call or two. And again, the phone lines are still available for questions. So the number to call in is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. Usually when we take it by day, there's availabilities. Um, it's just a change. Whenever there's a change, less people call in. So feel free to place your call. We're going to start with Friday from England. You're on with Mordechai. Hold on. I'm not hearing you. Is it clearer now? Um, sorry, say it one more time. Is it clearer now? Yes, it was not. It was not your part. It was my part. The speaker's button wasn't on. Great, go ahead. Mm -hmm. How are you doing? I'm doing Bar Hashem fantastic. Okay, first I want to wish you Mazel Tov for your brother Shay Rachas yesterday. Yes, Mazel Tov. It was beautiful. Oh, I'm so glad to hear. I was wondering if you could help me. It's not really like a Pierre Nefesh question. It's just that I was wondering about my fact that I'm 19 years old and I am a very big scatterbrain. I'm quite intelligent. It's just that everything like flies, you know, you know, this type. Sure, I am that type as well. Very easy to get along with. <laughs> what would you say is the best aided? Because my parents are like, you can't get married like this, but everything's flying. And I'm like, why? Everything is so neat in my head. I know what everything is. That's right. And now, let me ask I you other questions. How did you do in school on tests? Oh, fantastic. Excellent. How do you get along with friends? Um, I'd like to say very well. <laughs> Excellent. How, how do you, how's your, like, your, how's your inner feelings? Are you a happy person? Hmm, not always. Okay, well, that's normal. I'm sorry. When I say happy, I'm talking about 80% of your time. Like, are, like, are you just enjoying, enjoying things? Yeah, most times. Like Good, finally, you're 19, you're normal. If you had asked me that question, I would also probably have to say, you know, most times. Yeah. Um, let me, how are you with the Rabbeinu Shleilam? Are you thinking about him, davening? Are you trying to, you know, do better if you say Tehillim? Or trying to do some, some mitzvahs? Oh, mm, yeah, well, let's say yes. Mm -hmm. Great. So, so far, and let's put it this way, are you, do you help your mother with your brothers and your sisters? Yeah, I tried to come to her help, yes. Okay, well, you're 19, right? Mm -hmm. When I asked about your your brothers and sisters, you mean you're from the younger ones? Actually, I'm the oldest. You're the oldest. So I'm asking, do you, do you help your mother with your siblings, like taking care of them? Yeah, usually. Yeah. It's, just that, it's just that she is such an organized person. Let's hold on a stand. second. There's a per I, I got you right away. I just want to, let me just ask a couple of more questions. And this is Why so many questions? Oh, we'll get to the, we'll get to the point right away. In, in about another three, four questions, you'll get it. <laughs> so All let right, me ask, go ahead. Yeah, let me ask you another question. And are you able to, are you someone that people enjoy being around? Mm, yeah, they always tell me. I mean, I hope so. Sure. I think so. Yeah, are you someone that if someone needs a favor, they need a hand, you'll be there to help them? Yeah, instantly. Sure. Are you someone that if your mother needs help to cook or to clean, you'll do that as well? 
Yeah, I love cooking, and I think it's up to three questions. So what's the answer now? And the answer is, look as to how... First of all, I mean, we're alive, so I would tell you, what's your name? I think we'll, we'll read you many shidduchim for that, but... The main answer, <laughs> the main purpose of all this isn't to read you a shidduch. The purpose is for you to recognize, look how many strong points you have and look at the one weakness that you might have and look as how people are only focusing or, on, or mostly focus on the one problem instead of the 50 milers. Each of those questions that I asked you are from the most important um, components in a marriage. Means if the house is clean or not, that will not make a husband happy. He might appreciate it more if the house is clean, but that does not make happiness. Wow, great. Being yes. in over that to my mother. <laughs> Well, well, we're not, here, we're not here to go talk about mothers. We're here to now get you the awareness. And that's okay. for those listening. Being, living with the Rabbi Shalom, not being chasram, angry as to, uh, to Hashem. How many people are getting married with, for whatever reasons, pains? How many people are failing in schools for whatever reason, and they're not, and they're feeling like an inner failure, and yet you're doing well in school? How many people have no interest in cooking and cleaning, and they're, when they get married, they say, I want a vacation. I don't want to chasram, be a mother or be a wife that will do those roles. How many times people don't have friends, they're fabis and they're hurt, they're pain, and therefore they can't connect with their husband or they don't want to connect to people, they have a personality issue that people don't want to hang around them, and that affects major marriages. If your house is a little bit more messy or more clean, which is important, but nowhere on the top five or ten, and if you're able to cook, I'm assuming you're able to clean, you're probably just not as clean as others, what I need you to realize is that is what we have in the program of perfectionists, that's how we get knocked down. If we keep on looking at what we're not, there will be a list of them. If we start focusing on what we are, and then we will grow what I also need to improve, it changes. So now, if you would go over that list that I asked you, with all those strengths that you have, and okay, so you're a bit of a scatterbrain, as you called yourself, so you'll clean up the house every three days instead of every night <laughs> before it's organized. And if your husband is that type of a nature as well, fantastic. And if he's not, this will be one of your... Shalom bias issues that will take you a whole lifetime to work out. Remember, everyone's <laughs> going to have something. We're two different people, two different physiological makeups. means the brain, the way everything functions is different. So we're going to have differences. That's okay. But look how you're ready for marriage on, on let's say, 10 out of 10, the important parts. You're right. You're ready for Mm-hmm. That's great. I just wanted to ask you, so is there no way that a person can make himself more grounded, like not fly so much? Now that's a whole different question. Of course there is. And one of those is since you are lucky to have a mother that's so organized, you can start asking her, let's start doing tips. Let's focus one week at a time on a task that I should master. And one of them might be that every <laughs> night before you go to sleep, you clean up your room. You might set aside in 20 minutes if your room isn't neat. Or if your mother asks you to do tasks or certain jobs that are your chores, you do it last minute at night. You might be able to do it right after suppers when I divide, I divide or I divulge a half hour to do my chores instead of doing it later. That's a great idea, yeah. That's right. Mm -hmm. And remember, you're lucky that you have a mother that's so organized that she can give you the tips how to do that. But remember, you're looking just at improving yourself while saying, I am fantastic, Baruch Hashem. That's what we are focusing on. Not chasram, that you're not good. We're focusing that you're amazing and you want to improve yourself to the next level. Not how will you get married. You're fantastic. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, you've been very helpful. Hatzlach on everything you do. Amen. Amir Tashem, the Rabbi Shem shall send you the right zivik, and you and your chassan, the Hazmer Tashem, should build a bias in Israel. Amen. Yes, thank you very much. Excellent. Good luck that, for the evening. Okay, we actually we're going to skip one person because we have a message or a comment from Mrs. A, from Miss A. All right, let's go to that line three to Ms. A, a comment to Friday from England. Yes, hello? Yes. Okay, I just want to comment um, and give for this um, 19-year-old, just um, physic and yeah. awareness that she is just a typical healthy person with a typical um, healthy person that has um, weaknesses and she has time in her marriage to experience um, her daily um, routines and whatever to see where she can excel and where she can, like, she has it, uh, she will have it much easier. It's a typical um, sign of a healthy, healthy girl, just like you said. And I just want to tell her that she's, she has time for experiencing her Whatever, ups and downs, and that's it. I agree with you a thousand percent on that. And let's also realize something from that wonderful caller from England, that we have an entire lifetime to better ourselves. We're all palga de gufo, all half people until we get married. That is the level that we want to be able to grow in. That's yes, it's level. not a threat at all. It's not, it's exactly. not even a drop of it. Exactly. And let's not start thinking, how will you get married? What do you mean, how will you get married? You'll get married, and you might have some issues with your husband. And if you and him are healthy, you guys will be able to discuss it and work it out. Yes, definitely. Yes, thank you okay. so much That's for that it. comment. And okay. now let's go to, we've got two Davids, one on line two, one on line one. So we're going to start with line two that called in first. So David, start talking, and the one that will hear me respond to will know who we're talking about. David, you're on with Mordechai. Hi, I am? Yes, you are. Hi, thank you, Mordechai, for taking my call. <clears throat> my pleasure and honor and schos. And thank you for your program. Especially yeah. um, self-esteem number one and number, I think it's number five. Yes. And the six, 16 natures is also in, about the, the forgiveness sheet. This is Moirik. Um, yes. Thank you for Oh, you're so welcome. Yeah, the, that's, it's a very powerful, those are very powerful programs. Yes. yes. I see some people have problems with the questions, but I think it's, but then it's true. Well, we go to my question, um, which I think has bothered me for years. Um, I have sometimes, uh, like when I'm not, uh, when I'm driving, I'm dialing, or when, they, when my thoughts are running, it's yeah. automatically thoughts yeah. that, that, like, bring me up situations when I feel, like, embarrassed or I, I, I feel like I feel less co- uncomfortable with myself. Wait, let's explain this. When you're driving, say that again. When I'm driving, always when I'm not, like, waking, I'm, when my, my thoughts are running. It's not, like, focusing on one thing. Okay, so, when you're when getting, so when you're not working and your mind thinks in many different areas, what happens? It's automatically thought, that came up situations. I don't know, it's linking one to the other that brings up situations when... But now clarify, when you say situations, I don't know if they're positive situations or negative situations. Are they thoughts that make you happy? Are they thoughts that make you sad or nervous? No, it makes me feel embarrassed. I will call it embarrassment attacks. Always deceiving. Like, let me give you one. Let me say, 
I was driving and I want I want to make a a a U turn. Um, I mean, say uh, the other the opposite way, way, like on the right side or on the left side, when it, it is not allowed. Yeah. So, um, like people start uh, ranking in, in, and so the next time I will go over this street. I wouldn't. It's not over when I will drive on the same street. It's full. Next time I want to make a U-turn, we automatically come up the same situation. So I give it for what. Good. Let's stop there. Let's take that example and let's help you recognize what tools might be missing and what programs can help you. All right. What you're saying is, let's say you're driving, you'd make a U-turn and someone would honk you, and then you are feeling fill-in-the-blank. What do you feel? You feel guilty? I feel embarrassed, yes. Wait, embarrassed and guilty are different feelings. Embarrassed is someone saw me make a mistake. Guilty is saying I am wrong. It could be both, but let's, let's identify which emotions. Guilty is feeling I am wrong. Therefore, when you go back to that same place that you see, if you're embarrassed and the person isn't there, why are you embarrassed? If you feel guilty that I am wrong, every time you see that place, it will trigger where you are wrong. You can feel guilty and then be embarrassed, even if no one is there, but it's all within yourself. Yeah, I think the guilty makes me feel embarrassed. Excellent. Now, let's start understanding that concept. So now, if someone will make a mistake and feel so bad... What it usually tells us is a lot about his upbringing. It tells us, in short, that there's a lack of self-esteem. Self-esteem is, as we started discussing a little bit at the beginning of this program, about confidence. That means we're allowed to make mistakes. So to you, my friend, Reb David, you seem like someone that is a perfectionist. Means you're even if you're not in reality a perfectionist, but in your head you're a perfectionist. You're always beating yourself up for any mistake that you've made. Correct. Uh, correct. Correct. But it's like uh, you've asked another another guy on the on the Excel sheet of perfectionist people. I mean, to you like, are yeah, on the Excel sheet. You're just not. You're just hiding that Excel sheet. Uh -huh. You're just not able to perform, but you are a perfectionist. How many times mm. do you think to, to yourself, I should have done that better when you did a task, and people compliment you, you go, no, I can't accept that compliment. No, I could accept compliments, but I always think in my mind, like, uh, well, when someone, even if I pick up the phone, you can uh, at, at least, again, if someone of my, I'm doing business with someone, and he's calling me, it's, it's for sure he's going to something, uh, um, telling me something I did wrong or something like so that. So let's stop a second. You said for sure you accept compliments. When someone gives you a compliment, you say thank you, yes, I know, I deserve it in your mind, or do you say, nah, I should have done better? No, no, I accept compliments. Yes, I said thank you. I feel good. Yes. Yeah. And does your, so let me f still ask my question a third time because I'm, I'm not hearing what I'm asking. Does your brain accept it or does your brain think, oh, I did something wrong? Or I didn't do it as good as I could have done. Oh, I think the situation. Yes, when someone gives you a compliment, thank you for bringing this there. Do you does your brain say yes? I talked it, or it was nothing. I was heading there anyhow. It doesn't matter. It was. What's the big deal for me? I'm just hitting the gas. It depends on what I did. If I did really good, then I feel good. If I did just something, I could. It was not exactly just the gas. I think, okay, no, I, I, it's like it's nothing for why to give a, a compliment. Okay, so it sounds to me, as I would do it, you're in the perfectionist spectrum. 
It's no real diagnosis. But understand that when you're a perfectionist, what should have been more, what should have gone better, I made a mistake, now people are going to laugh at me or are ashamed or embarrassed or guilty. That's where perfectionists come in. It, it roots, it eats up our mm-hmm. solid confidence levels that we have, the healthiness that we have within ourselves. And in order mm-hmm. to get out of that, we need to start talking several times a day of your strengths. I am this. Could you give me a list of 20 to 30 positives that you have? I, I, I hear your self-esteem program, and I take a paper, and I start writing down. Yeah, and how many uh, positives did you get up to? About uh, 13. After about 13, 14, then I start, have to start thinking deeper and take Good. too long. Think deeper, get to 20, and I'll practice saying it over and over and over, out loud. I am smart, I'm intelligent, I'm someone that cares about others, I like helping, I can speak publicly, I am a great husband, I am a great father, I like learning, I appreciate the Rabbi Nishalaylam, I'm, you know, just continue going on the entire list. Mm-hmm. I'm happy mm-hmm. with someone, I'm happy with myself, I enjoy time with myself, I am smiling, just keep on going. Mm-hmm. I see. Now, when okay. you say it over and over mm-hmm. for about a week, call up next week and let's see what's going on. But you got to say mm-hmm. it about five times a day out loud. Out loud? Out loud. Oh, out loud. Yes, yes. Out loud. The way I said it. Well. Not with a question. I am smart. I'm good. People like. Um, I, I care about others. That's a question. I am smart. Statement. Exclamation mark. Exclamation point. I am intelligent. I care about others. I am aware of what's coming. I see, I see things that are working out. I'm loyal. I'm trustworthy. Mm-hmm. I am consistent. Mm-hmm. I follow through. Do you see how one sounds or I am loyal? I'm consistent. So you think that this, autom- this automatically talks? Like I will, it will not make me feel any more. That's anymore. right. You do this for one week, five times a day out loud, but hit your 20 as we have in that program and call us up next week, Merzah Shem. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate You're very it. welcome and appreciate you being brave to call in. Um, for thank those you. of you that are texting, I see you texting over and over, but please understand that we really want to take um, the caller-ins, those that are calling in over text. So... Especially the one with a message about sending sending the letter to Paris. Please, it's a long message. Just call it in, Mertzeshem, and we'll take your call. May, um, I, let's may go. I ask another question? Um, yeah, I'll tell you what. We got all the lines full, so let's keep on keep it rolling. All right? So, Mertzeshem, call up next week with the feedback, and we'll have your question then. Thank you. We are going to David on line one, the second David. So, thank you for holding. David, go ahead. Reb David. All right. We, Hello? Oh, yes, you're still on. Yes, great. Yes, hi, how are you? Baruch Hashem. Okay, I had a quick question over here. Maybe not so quick, but um, I have an eight-year-old uh, boy who has been complaining the last few weeks um, that he has pain in his lungs. Um, an eight-year-old so, boy? Yeah, an eight-year-old boy, yes. Yes. Now, I took him to the doctor last night, and I had a sneaking suspicion of what it was, but I took him to the doctor, and um, everything, Baruch Hashem, he's completely clear. Now, a little background was that he had a boy in his class, 
um, a couple weeks ago that seemed to have ended up in a hospital for some sort of respiratory infection or something, something like that. This boy is a very, very intelligent boy and um, knows a lot of medical terminology, etc., and I've been telling all the boys in the class exactly which medications and exactly what the diagnosis was and everything else. My son was on the phone with him a couple of times, and it seems in class he picked up a lot of it. So my sneaking suspicion was that it was more behavioral than an actual problem, but I figured as a responsible parent, obviously, I should take him to the doctor after two weeks. Excellent. Uh, and he um, did check out fine. I mentioned this to the doctor. She was very much um, in the same, you know, uh, the same thought process of that it, it, it's um, a behavioral issue, and um, I should ignore it, or however I should deal with a behavioral issue. So my question really to you is, um, you know, he was up till about eleven thirty last night, complaining. Had to give him, you know, uh, you know, he thought he was getting a full doses of medicine, but he, you know, of, of Tylenol, but he wasn't. Um, he's, you know. But you definitely see, you know, he's breathing heavy and, you know, um, and which, you know, the doctor was not coping. She showed me, you know, at times when he wasn't thinking about it, he was breathing just fine. I got you, Abdavid. So let's go ahead and take your question. Let's put a little bit, change some of the, one of the words that you're using from behavioral to a different level. So the question is that your son has a kid in his class that never had some respiratory issues and this kid is smart or is using the professional terminology isn't explaining to the kids exactly what's happening and your son let's say because of how we're teaching in the classes which is extremely correct and appropriate of you know calling being someone a calling up is calling up this boy and he's getting some information right, and a close friend of his also yes yeah and what's happening is you're finding that now your son is starting to complain that he has his problems with his lungs and things like that and you took him to the doctor, which Baruch Hashem is the appropriate and is the correct thing to do. Once it's medically ruled out, now we can start dealing with the emotions. Now, when you use the word behavior, I would change the word to emotional, which means your son is an emotional kid. Most kids are still emotional unless their parents unfortunately aren't, or both parents aren't, or there's more extreme, but most kids are emotional. What kids also have is a very powerful, strong sense of imagination. So I will just give you that example. Imagine that I have a lemon and I'm slicing that lemon and it's a real ripe lemon. And as I'm slicing, there's a little juice running out, dripping out from the sides. And then I'm going to ask you if you can imagine even slicing a slice off of that. And now you're taking that slice and it's not such a thin slice. It's a little thicker and you're putting it in your mouth and you're like sucking it. And some of you might even feel like your eyes are wincing a little or like the taste. Now, just stop a moment. And do you notice that you have a lot more saliva in your mouth? I was just following it as you're talking. Exactly. So as adults, our ability to listen, that words should affect us too powerfully. Bar Hashem, we learn to balance that, that it shouldn't affect us that much. However, words that people use still affect us and this is the power of just talking about a lemon to anyone almost everyone will would start having more saliva in their mouth now let's take it to your son since kids the younger they are the more their imagination is turned on unfortunately when we call kids crazy stupid you idiot you'll never succeed you're a loser you're a failure you're a dropout those words penetrate and they remain in there until they are changed, either with positive or where 
clarifying to them with a lot of cognitive stuff why we really do love them, why they're special. And we also need to rechange all that concept, not change, we need to also input or download into the brain how successful they are. But let's now take it to your to your questions in particular. Sounds like your kid is Baruch Hashem, has a very active imagination, very open. Sounds like you've created a beautiful family where he's able to be macabre and hear things, and it's very normal for the human brain to start creating that symptom that Oyve, I'm feeling it. Now, had you or your wife been suffering from anxiety, you would have been calling up or starting to say, I'm not letting my son talk to this kid anymore. He's causing him problems and overreacting. And what I'd like to do is maybe make one or two suggestions, and let's see how that would work out with your son. Number one, since we're aware that words are getting into your son, you can start using randomly. Let's say his name is Chaim. Chaim, you know you're so healthy. Chaim, your body is so strong. The Rabbi Shalom gave everyone's body the ability to fight off anything that's there. Just randomly starting to say you're so strong, you're so powerful, you're so smart, you're intelligent. And these words are going to be seeping in there. You know, the doctor said your immune system is healthier than most people. You're so strong that it's very hard for you to get sick. Even if he was just sick. Just hearing those words will have an effect on the human body. Step one. Step two, to be more in detail about the situation, since your son has such a great imagination, and again, since you're his father, so again, every time I talk about touch, I always need to say this waiver. We're not talking about anyone touching anyone else but their own kids. Kids, it has to be age appropriate for the right age. And we're not talking about whatever, I don't want to go into anything. But what I would then recommend is sort of even at night or sometime, if your son is laying down, let's say put your hands on his chest. And you can start asking him, could you maybe imagine a malach is like putting his hands on your chest and telling you, like Chaim will pretend his name is Chaim, your lungs are all clear. Or I now gave you a bracha to your lungs and nothing can ever happen to your lungs. And see, take a deep breath. <gasps> And look, wow, and he'll go, but there's no malach, I know, let's just imagine it, let's, pray, let's play pretend. Just imagination is the power that works on kids. Uh-huh. And then, and you're, that yeah, doing that several times, or asking him, what would happen that you would feel, or what, what would you want to happen that would give you the confidence that your lungs, and you're so healthy, that what happened with that kid is, for whatever reasons, Hashem wanted it, but you, you're as healthy as can be. Sometimes it could be if I would just have a Tehillim next to me, if David HaMelech would tell me, and then tell him, okay, go ahead, so let's close our eyes and let's imagine David HaMelech's coming in right over here and he's saying a capital Tehillim right next to your bed, and look how your lungs are stronger, look how your stomach is stronger, look how your head is feeling so much stronger and your muscles are getting stronger and you're healthy. You're 100% healthy. You can even imagine, imagine it's snowing outside, it's freezing cold, and you can go out without a coat, that's how healthy you are. And you can tell him, not that we'll do that, because you know it's not good, but... How do you think you will feel, and how do you, and not how, but I can make the assumption that your son will feel a tremendous difference, and to do this about four or five times, like maybe four or five days in a row. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Great. Okay. Um, just one last thing, if I could sure. ask you. Um, I don't want to go into this whole question, because it would take a long time, and I realize that you have other people, but maybe you could send me to the right place in your old um, archives, of um, burnout for kids at that age. Um, I've got so many, and believe me, it's already the third week in a row that I don't have the programs printed out. You know, give me one sec. Let me log in over here, see if I can get to it. Um, 
By the way, Mom will tell on your um, sibling's wedding. Thank you, thank you. I believe you have another cousin getting married in a few weeks. That's a good friend of mine. Which one? Are you talking about Ephraim? No, Yoeli. Yoeli, ah, yes, we've got, I've got Kanainar, the Rabbi Shalom has blessed the Mishpacho, I spoke at a Sheva Brachas, and we had like I, four... I heard all about it, because I learned them um, with Yankel, second Seder, so oh, I, wow. I heard oh, all wow. about your Brachas, all about it. Yeah, the Rabbi Shalom has benched us with a huge amount of Simchas in the family, Yoeli is getting married, which is unbelievable, we have Ephraim Tzuker getting married, Meretz Hashem, in, in two weeks, it's... Just Simcha from Simcha and his sister before, Esti, and Ellie got married. It was just beautiful. The Rebbe Shalom is just sending us, and we have in England and Manchester, our cousin Zanger getting married, which I don't think I'll be able to come, but still hoping to try to make it. So there's, the Rebbe Shalom has just sent us in the family. At one shot, Kanai Naharim may just continue to send us brachas and Simchas one after another. Okay. Yes. All right. So thank you, Rab David, for your questions. And I guess you didn't find anything. Uh, actually, you know, I'm on the website. My mind is thinking, what was it I had to tell you? The question was about burnout. The burnout, yes, at that age. Number one, well, first I'll take it to you, and then you'll take it from there. Program number six is caught in the trap of regret. Mm-hmm. Number eight is about social pressure. I titled it Social Pressures of Purim, but it's really not. It's about pressures in general. Mm-hmm. And then there are two, three of my favorite ones. It's so funny that, um, well, there's number 21 about beginnings. And that's about teaching your son not to get burnt out. Like, it's okay. Everyone that does a beginning stage, in fact, one of the chapters in the book is about that, is about just being easy about knowing that there's going to be a process, not to try to achieve it all at one shot. And along those lines is program number 25 about learning about how to, like, finish us and how to reach our goals. Burnout is when we have these over and high expectations that we create for ourselves. So I would first start with those, and maybe one more, because it's a favorite one of mine. To every game, there's a loser. It's program number 28. And that's also about the same concept. If we're going to lose, why start? And some of the mashalm that I give there is, if you have a class of 20 kids, we always focus on the top two, maybe three. Why should the other 20 or 17 want to do anything? Or if you've got a marathon of 50,000 runners, how do you think number 47,328th guy feels when he knows all those people came in ahead of him? And to that, there's a huge yesoid that we learned from there. Or like Rav Shimon Bayochoy, where if there's almost anyone, I think it's maybe one or two places, but besides that, if anyone disagrees with Rav Shimon Bayochoy, we don't pass like Rav Shimon Bayochoy. How do you think that... If we think in our classical terms of winning and losing means if I win, I'm good, and if I lose, I'm bad, then there must be something wrong because then we would have to call Rav Shimon Bayechoi something else, Chas v'shalom. And it's not so. We know he's from the greatest of tzaddikim that have ever lived in, this, in, in, the, in the world. So those programs, if you listen to that, you'll see a, a common theme, an idea, and that information is what you'll be able to help your son to explain it to him. You could even use some of those mashalom, which would help battle the perfectionist belief that is going on in today's world. These programs, almost all of them, have a theme in it to battle the perfectionist theme that's rampant in the world and especially in our from community. Perfect. Thank you so much. My pleasure and an honor. We're going to go to line three, to Ms. A. You're on the air with Mordechai. Ms. A, I know you're holding a while, so... Hello? Uh, yes. Yeah, thank you. And the question is about my 10-year-old son, that 
he knocks himself like very much. Like if I would tell him a good word about himself, he said, "No, it's not good. It wasn't good." Like he. All right, let's start with you. How do you handle compliments? Fun. I like them. Then I'll take them. Yeah. What about your husband? Not so much. Okay. So he takes after him. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Okay, but I can help him. Try to at least try to help my son. Yep. So let's start this way. One of the ways that we can do is that we want to explain to your son and give him a sort of as a muscle that does he ever compliment your supper like say mommy I love you so much. Excuse me? I'm sorry. Yeah, does your son ever compliment your supper like my I love the food or mommy I love you so much? Would he ever say something like that? Mm, sometimes. Really, but it can happen. Um so he never gives any positive to you? He gives, but he's pretty negative. He's a negative, like he's pretty negative. Oh, then we got to start at the beginning. I was going to go to step two uh, uh, or step know, three. He's, he's... Let's go back to step one. All right. Okay. And this is the same concept. The reason why we're taking this is this is not a parenting question. This is how to start teaching someone to be a little bit positive. So number okay. one, I would hop a little schmooze with your son and say, let's call him Yankel. Okay. Yankel, I'm going to do like a role play. I'm going to give an example. I just want you to tell me how it sounds. So you'll tell him, okay, so I'm the mommy, and let's say I'm going to tell Yankel, not him, so let's say Chaim, a different brother, and say, Chaim, you know, I really love you. And then Chaim goes, no, you don't. Ach, I'm so bad. Or then mommy, or then I would say, you know, Yankel, you did really well on your test. You got like a 90, you studied hard, and you got a 92. He goes, no, but I could have gotten 100. So now you ask, you know, Yankel, how do you think that mother feels? What do you think he would say? I don't know. Uh, what do I say? Yeah. How does that mother feel? Does she feel happy when her son and he says negative? He says nah and everything bad? No, nah, probably she wouldn't feel good. No, right. Now it says, now let's take it a step further. How do you think the mommy, now why do you think the boy is saying to everything it's not good? Is this boy happy inside? Does he feel how things are going well? Or does he see how things are always not going well? He only got a 92 and other boys really got a 100. So he's not as good. Right. Right? What? What would he say? You're Let's do a role that. play. I'm good. going to be the mother and you he's, go... He's, he's, so he's going to say, so I told you I'm not good. I told you I'm not doing well. You see? So now you see that I'm not good. That's right. Now, what... The beauty that Hashem has given us is that we have the opportunity to make things work out well. But in order for it to work out well, we first have to start feeling that we're good about something. So before we start working on appreciating the test that you got a 92, let's first start focusing on you feeling happy. Would you like us to focus on that? What's your response? You're young. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let me tell you how we're going to do it. Now, it's going to sound babyish. You might even say, no, I'm not doing it. But let's try it together because that's what you do. That's one of the ways that we work on the self-esteem. And what I'd recommend for you to do is first of all, listen to my program on the phone line of 2982011. And program number one is about how to build a self-esteem. And the same programs that I recommended to this parent about his son is the same programs that you're going to want to listen to because you want to be prepared. Imagine you're going to, you're going to a doctor. The doctor just graduated medical school <coughs> but didn't even do their internship yet. Their internship yet. So before you're going to start working on your son, you want to have at least that five hours of information to be prepared about, about mistakes are normal, 
about the the poison of criticism. I don't, I'm not sure if I mentioned that one, but that's an important one over there. It's in the first couple of them. It's program number five, the poison mm -hmm. of criticism. And you okay. want to start teaching. So what you're going to goal is going to be to have your son have 10 positives, and you're going to list 10 positives of your own, and you're going to have him say it whenever he comes home before he goes to yeshiva. You're going to try to get him to say it about four times a day out loud. I am smart. I am a good kid. I want to do Hashem's mitzvahs. You'll even let kids do I want. In my clients, I don't let them do I want. I make them find talents that they have. So you could tell them you are good looking. Just, you know, everyone is good looking. But right. some more than others. You can do, you're organized. He might be organized. You want, you strive on doing better. You're able to recognize mistakes. That's a strength to recognize self-introspection. So I would use it more positive. Instead of recognizing your mistakes, you're able to recognize details. You're looking to better yourself. You want to have 10 points where he's going to say that for about a week. You're going to find an automatic shift. But you need to give him that whole hakdama how to start in order for him to recognize why does he want to change. Now, you can, when you're going to be listening to those other programs, you'll also know how to be able to tell him, let's understand something. If Hashem made this world that there's always going to be a problem in it, how can a person ever be happy? There's always something that won't be good. We look at the famous story of Nachemish Gamzu, and that's where, I'm not sure if I have that in one of those programs, but that's the same concept. He always said, Gamzu Latoiva, Rabbi Kiva. Gamzu Latova, right? With a story, the famous story, the candle on the lion and, and ate up the animals. And then the concept is there'll always be a problem, but we want to appreciate and feel the good. And that's, and that's what you'll tell them. That's my job as a mother now. My job is to make sure you have to eat. My job is to make sure that you're learning and that you're putting in your time for your rachnis. These are my jobs as a mother. Part of my job as a mother is to make sure you're emotionally confident and feeling good about yourself. So just like if you weren't doing so well in your schoolwork, I would tell you, we're going to do homework together. Now I see you're like negative or if I give you a compliment, or you don't tell me I love you or thank you and really feel it. That's part of my job as a mother. Make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, Excellent. And try. do that, and it's important for him to verbalize. He'll fight you the first two days. Oh, come on, mommy, I can't do that. It's babyish. Yeah. Come on, you want me to say I am good? Why do I have to say it? Let me think it. And what would you do if your kid doesn't do well on tests? Would you tell him, okay, fine? Or would you tell him, no, you got to sit down now. We're setting aside 10 minutes for studying. You'll tell him we're setting aside now four minutes, or it really takes a minute or less to say 10 positives. But until you're going to mm -hmm. say it right, until you're going to say it strong, say it, and you will see it change even before he sees it. Okay. Doing this will be homework. It'll take the same effort as like when you need to put a, sit, a, a child down to do work. But this is part of uh -huh. our job as parents to give them an emotional, healthy, and stable. Yeah, no, it's a very important thing in life. Like I can't see it. Like I'm like, no, this has to stop now. Just yes. like it can't go on like that. Okay. Thank you yes. so much. Okay. This person with a question about Paris. I'm specifically saying that I cannot address it, but if you want the short answer, you suffer from anxiety, has nothing to do with the story, has nothing to do with your letters, with the mail. If you want the short, cold version, you got anxiety, go to a therapist. Sorry for that. Now, let us go to, no, to Rivka on line five. Rivka, you're on air with Mordechai. Hi, first of all, I want to uh, say in my name and in everybody else who is a little bit voice shy on yeah. the phone, thank you so very much for all the work you do, and thank you for making the phone line a priority and working around our schedule. Thank you. I really did. I've, if people would know what my schedule is yesterday and today changed just for this phone line, 
Um, and I appreciate the recognition. I didn't even realize that, you know, until you've mentioned it. So yes, this fine line is a high priority to me. And um, Baruch Hashem, I, I find it's a, a complete combination. It's a high priority. A, helping people. B, the schus. I feel that Hashem has given me, you know, an honor and a shliach to be able to do this. So I thank him. I take it as nachrayis as well to keep it going. Plus the messages. When people send me the messages, how their life has bettered and improved is something that keeps it going. As well as for my current clients and past clients. Current clients tell me how much they gain from the radio programs because when it's one-on-one sometimes it's too personal or too direct but if they hear it in another person or if they see another person's question or blockage they can then i take it to themselves on a safer level as people have sometimes called our phone line like a group therapy it has a lot of the power a lot of the strengths of group therapy so all those together um is why it's such a high priority to me plus the brachas that i get as well from people which is a priority to me so on every level, it's a family, community, helping, and I appreciate your verbalizing it, recognizing it for others and speaking for others, and as well for having me um, remind, remember that how much I've changed around and to just appreciate the hard work that I've put in, that this should be able to work out today. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, so we really appreciate it, and I just want to tell you thank you for it. You're welcome. And now for my actual input. Last week there was somebody who called in uh, regarding... Her regret over not changing her son's class in time. Yes. And I just wanted to say that I'm the lady that you mentioned that actually did pull out her son. Yes. And all I can say is that I had to go through the therapy myself to have the strength to do what I had to do. And I just wanted to give her a little chizik that it's normal, although very sad, but she shouldn't beat herself up, and I know that it's not going to help if I say it for, for herself, but she should just know that if there are any other outside issues that may not be directly related to this, it could have an effect. Okay. Can you explain that? Because I think it's so fantastic. So you're saying you're a parent that you did change your child, son or daughter, from a, from a class, correct? Right. How did you deal with the guilt? I should have done it right away. Because that's what that mother was a little suffering and saying he lost an entire year or, or he might be damaged from that. What would you, how did right. you deal with that? Right. So the truth is that it could taka be damaging. Yes. I definitely did see the damaging effects on my son. Yeah. But I also knew that I did whatever I could at that time going through whatever I was going through. That's right. So you've done the best that you could and you let and when you're able to make the changes when it was appropriate or clear enough to do the changes, you did that. So there's no regret because you're able to say, I did the best at that time. Right. Excellent. And that is one of the ways that we break the perfectionist cycle. One of the important points are that some people might get an 80 on a test and it's more valuable than 100 because I did the best that I could. Right. And I actually know that. And I, and I, I went through a hard time. It was not easy. went through a very hard time changing him. But... I'm actually very happy that I did it, and I definitely do see major improvements since I did. Yeah. So I would like to share with you guys some that I was just had a conversation with my wife this morning that my son, because of the wedding and everything preparing, and even at Shabbos Shevrebrachas, I made up to learn with him, and I didn't learn with him as much as we did. I don't know how he did on his test on Sunday, but one thing I do know is that he came home complaining, saying he's not knowing the Gemara as well, and it is because of everything that I'm doing. And one of the things that I needed to recognize was I can only do the best that I could being human and balancing and juggling everything. And we're having one of my brother-in-laws learn with him tonight and try to make up, 
you know, for the things that we've missed the past week. So again, there was guilt in me this morning when my wife discussed with me how my son came home and things like that. It, it did affect me. But then I'm able to say, there's not, I don't have three, I don't probably will say, I don't have one extra minute to have done that, but yet the job has to get done. And we started coming up with creative ideas. What options are there? And right. yeah. So basically the point is balance. That's right. And it's not an easy uh, point to get to, but we really have to try to yeah. remain balanced. Yeah. There's always another question that I wanted to ask. Go ahead. Um, regarding your denial project. Oh, yes. Okay. We're now on the next project, by the way. For those of you listening in now that don't know about the phone line, we are now on the project of medication, pros and cons. I didn't have a chance to read yet the messages that we got yesterday or today, but wow, they are they are a lot of emotionally charged, very emotionally charged. Okay, I think one is connected to the other. Yes, the denial and that's the why, exactly why I'm bringing them up. I feel it's along the same lines, yes. Right. So I'm wondering what a spouse to do when the, the other spouse is suffering from denial and they're both going for help, but it's taking very, very slow process. And, like, what are, the, what are the ways to cope in the meantime? So there are several levels, and we're going to address first the more aware part component of the couple and then the less aware. The more aware part of the couple is to know that I want to get out of the codependent role. Because remember, the person that's more aware will always try to make up, try to cover up, or try to do the tasks of the couple that is the spouse that is less aware. And that is why a lot of this is keep on going on. So they're being codependent. They're, let's say, helping out their husband or their wife with taking care of the kids or doing homework or doing their job or telling them how to do the job. And number one, to recognize that I'm being codependent and it's not helping my spouse, my husband or my wife, by doing their job. The amount of times I've got codependent husbands that go to work late because their wife, if the kid misses the bus, they can't take the kid to school, or the wife can't do this or that, and therefore they're stuck in the process of trying to live their spouse's life. And one of the first things happens is you're not taking your kids in the morning. That's a wife's job, the task to figure out. Again, we're assuming where the wife isn't working in a job where she also has to go out. Or sometimes where you've got the same thing with a husband, where the husband's got to learn with the kids. The kids are crying after the husband learns. Instead of the wife trying to get this and get that, the wife's got to be able to tell the husband, I don't know, the kid isn't doing well. You're learning with him. He comes out crying. What are we going to do about it? To start making the husband aware of that. You weren't home with him a couple of nights. Learn with him. Or you yelled and the kid is now not wanting to go to yeshiva. Or sometimes we have where a boy or girl don't want to go to school and the mother says, oh, you yelled at him, he doesn't want to go to school that day. I'm not getting him out. If he doesn't go, you're going to have to deal with it. Come back to the house and be responsible for your actions. So again, this very complicated and very controversial what I just said, but those that are unfortunately suffering in codependence knows exactly what I am talking about. We're not talking about where a husband and a wife help each other. That's the most normal, healthy step out there. That's what creates, as you say, the Sheva Brachas, the Gila, the Rino, the Ditsa, the Chedva, the beauty of the niceness of the connection of appreciating one to another is about what we're giving to the other. But when we give the other one, it does not mean that we now take over their, their Rabbi Shalom's job where they need to grow in life as well. Where they need to grow, they need to learn to master that. Very different. So that is for the person that is the codependent one. 
for the spouse that is in locked or in denial, it's for the codependent or that healthy spouse to start saying, verbalizing, I am feeling hurt now that you have not done this or this or you have not expressed. So I made you a beautiful supper. I am hurt that all you said is it was very good. I want to hear five adjectives. It was very good. I know you put so much time and effort into it. I know the kids were crying and you still put in that extra favorite that I like. Give me three or four adjectives or, or details why you appreciate it to that spouse which is closed emotionally, which is not aware. Or you can ask, or that spouse can be a little tougher. This and this happened. Our son or our daughter cried because of something that happened with you. I'd like you to come up with three ideas why. What you did. So you're starting to take the role of what therapists do when you make the person be responsible and think about it. Mm-hmm. Does it have to be that uh, the other spouse is, in the, is, in, is a codependent one? Say that again. Is it possible that? Does it have to be that the other spouse is a codependent one? Of course. Otherwise, how else could this closed person survive? Limited function. Okay, then that spouse, now what has that spouse done? Let's assume there was a, a trauma in the family, because there always is. Right. That person that was limited was able to be limited because the healthier one or the more expressive one was actually doing stuff. Right. And that's where, that's called codependence. Stop doing it. Let the ball fall. I hear. <laughs> We've had certain situations where I've had where a spouse had to call the other one to make sure they're preparing the soup on time so it should be ready for Shabbos. Like where a husband had to call the wife, make sure you're warming it up. And sometimes we've had cases where the wife had to call the husband, make sure you're leaving the work, you come home on time for Shabbos. And the recommendation is let the bowl drop once. Let there not be soup. Let there be cold soup. And sure enough, the wife might forget it one more time, but not more than that with the kids complaining. Or they'll recognize, stop controlling. There's something to remind, and then there's another one you're codependent doing that. Let the husband have to park the car, leave his keys in the car, and walk for a half hour. You'll see how the husband will never forget that Shabbos again, and he'll be home on time. It's us, the codependent controller ones that call 25 times and say, I got to come home early because my wife will forget to put the soup on, so I got to put the soup on. Again, we're not talking about helping a wife. Helping a wife is normal. Helping and reminding husbands are normal. Wow, my wife definitely needs to remind me on a lot of stuff with all the projects that I do. But we're not, we're talking about here where people take over other people's jobs. We're continuous for years doing that. That is not healthy. Mm-hmm. Got it? Uh, yeah, thank you so much. You're very, very welcome. Aaron, who's the, who's the next one that we're holding by? Which line? Um, okay, we're going to Mrs. P on line six. Mrs. Uh, P, you're on the air. For, yes, with Mordechai. And then we're going to go to the caller from London. We just want to take a couple of calls that were in queue, and then we'll skip to someone from London. Yes, you're on Mrs. P with Mordechai. Right. I would like to thank you for your really inspiring um, answers that you're giving to all these people that are asking questions. So it was quite a hard thing for me to dial your number, but I decided that I'll do so. Excellent. And it probably will be able to help me out. Ah, thank you for being brave enough, because it takes a lot of strength and guts and kayak to do that. Right. So I'm calling regarding, I'm quite a bit of a perfectionist, and Kanainara, I do have a large family, and um, I'm trying not to make an issue when something happens, like um, perhaps something falls down which is valuable, or you know, something spilled, or any of those kind of little things that happen. And um, for some reason... 
I do tell my children later on that I was really upset, but, you know, it's not important. It's only materialism. And, um, you know, I just um, sort of tell them that, and they just, like, I think they really took the wrong end of the message. Like, I didn't really care too much, and whatever I, whatever happens, it's not important. I just wondered why did they get this message when I'm not trying to make an importance out of um, little things happening that it shouldn't be like a pressurized home. Sure. And they are like looking at it like nothing's important. If I lose this, it's not important. If that doesn't work out, it's not important. What do you feel about that? Excellent. I, I love your question. Your question is what I, what I send to clients. That if what you're saying makes sense, then why is there a problem? You said everything's right. so healthy. You told the child you broke something. It's okay. It's no big deal. And later on you told them, you know, it wasn't a big deal, but we still need to be careful. Right. So basically my children are very happy children, but I do just sometimes get bothered. Like, why don't you take notice? Or this thing is missing? Or that thing broke? Or... All right. So let's try that, that concept. And I want you to understand, I want you to explain it to me. Right. What do you think your kids are taking it wrong? Why? Why? I don't know why. I'll take a guess. Come on. You sound like such a smart, intelligent person. Don't do that to me. <laughs> why are they taking it wrong? Yeah. I don't know. Just maybe because I don't take notice of it too much. Nah. I just feel that it's not important. It's cashmere. Come on. It can happen. Anyone yeah. can do it. Let's see if we can figure it out. I don't know why. Take a guess. Help me. <laughs> I could. I don't want to. I want to make you work for it. Let's understand something. You did everything right. And that's for all those people. I'm not referring to you in particular, but people that are in denial. I see proof is in the pudding. If it tastes like chocolate and you're not aware of chocolate in there, there's chocolate in there. If your kids are feeling hurt me? when you it correct really does them. Me? What? Sorry? Because really you, does bother me? Uh, let's not go there a second. If your kids are feeling hurt, whenever you correct them the correct way, something must be wrong. What's wrong? No, they're not feeling hurt. No, what do they feel? They're not bothered. They're not bothered. They're not feeling hurt. They're not bothered. Then I'm not understanding your question. They're not bothered means it doesn't bother them when you tell them anything? Um... Not necessarily bother them, but also for their own things. They're not bothered when something breaks or some something that belongs to them is lost. Or oh, I'm sorry, I, miss, I completely misunderstood your question. So say it again, please. Right, I'm calling regarding. I work on myself. I'm a very perfection. I'm a very big perfectionist, right? Yeah. And can I know with a big household, not everything works out the way you want it to work out. Yeah. So if something happens, example, uh, something happens to you, breaks, or something spills, or you're upset, something didn't work out, then I'll just say it's Bashed Gamzilatoiva. But really deep down, I'm bothered, but yeah. I won't show it to them so much. Later on, I'll say, you know, it really hurted me what happened. But yes, and? You know, it's not important, it's just Let's stop a second, it's and? Nothing important. Yes, but, and, and, finish it. You know, and how it do happens, they take it? Sorry? And how do they take it? Finish the sentence. And so, how do... 
they don't, they don't take as anything wrong. They understand, wow, mom's special and she just doesn't care about these little things. But the problem is just that when things are happening to their things, they're just not bothered at all when they're so young. They don't show out their feelings when, some, when something bothers them. Uh, not something bothers them, when something gets lost, something gets broken. And what's wrong if nothing bothers them? Not nothing, <laughs> when it doesn't bother them. But it bothers me that it doesn't bother them because they've just taken it as a young child. I'm just doing it because Hold I'm on, trying to work for myself. Hold on, let's stop a second. It sounds like they are healthy and you're not. So it's bothering you that they're healthy? What, you think it's a healthiness not to be bothered when something breaks, when something gets lost, when something doesn't yeah. turn well, out? Well, it depends on the value system. And it's probably if, holding it inside. If, if Chas Hashem will say, if a tire is lost, we cry, there's a tish above. If your pen got lost, big deal. It's the level of value to that point. What's wrong if they lose something that doesn't bother them? Because they don't value anything much. Tell me something that you feel they should value that they didn't value. Example, if someone gave them a nice present and they just didn't care where they put it and another child just tore it and they just, okay, so what, you know, okay. next. Yeah, that's one so, of the most beautiful nice meters out there. But don't you think something at a young age is important? Well, what's important? Well, how do they feel if they don't do well on a test? No, they can either very bright children, so Good. they do do well. So you see that they're, so you see, wait, fine. can anyone do well on anything without putting in effort and energy? Definitely not. That's right. So it means your kids do care, and they do put value on things. Just not everything as you would like. Do your kids clean no, up after I'm themselves? As, as a child, I, it did bother me when these things happened. If an older child yes, does it, it yes, So you've already said, if let me take thinking, a guess. Is your, is your husband a relaxed, easygoing person? Not really. Not really? So I wonder where your kids get it from. Then it doesn't, then things aren't adding up. Usually you need to get it from someone. I'm a very relaxed I'm a very relaxed. No, you're person. not. No, you're not. I definitely am. No, you're not. Your sweet, calm voice doesn't tell me you're relaxed. I hear tension and stress and perfectionist. As calm as you would say you are. Inside, you're not calm. I don't call that calm. I call that the denial game. I'm sorry for being so right. blunt. Right. Could be that. They could be really Yeah, yeah. I, I got clients coming to my office right and left. They put on this no nice, sweet smile. I got clients coming all the time, this nice, sweet smile. Everything is so good, and this and that. And I say, oh my gosh, what's going on in this person? And they think because the rest of the world falls for it. It's not. You're not calm. Don't call yourself easygoing either. You've got no, a lot you, of stress. You you're well, worried. I, you're I accept situation. I you accept don't accept. Do. No, you don't. You think it over in your head. You accept it outside, but inside you eat yourself up. That's not called acceptance. How many I times don't eat myself out because I try and talk to my brain that this is not important. I know, and how many times are you talking and talking and talking? You're always busy talking because different stuff are always coming up that you need to talk to Yeah, yourself. I'm talking to my brain the whole time. That's, that's right. it. So let's not call yourself relaxed. Let's call yourself a person that's tense, a person that's afraid to lose, a person that's afraid to make mistakes, a person that in your brain, in yourself, there isn't a vacation. You're always needing to justify to yourself what you do. And because you need to be so perfect, there's a split between your inner you and the outer you. And if people would know the inner you and the outer you, they wouldn't believe it's the same person. That's what you think. You're but such a nice, special, so great... Nice now, sorry. Outside when you're bothered. You don't want a tense household. Ah, 
So what we try to do is we keep the split completely. So I will act calm on the outside. So this way inside, I'll keep everything inside and no one is going to feel a thing. I don't keep it inside because I do let them, I do let them know what I'm feeling. Um, okay. So let's just have you recognize how much talk are you busy in your mind justifying and talking the entire time? Well, I've realized that when I talk to myself, things go far better. I accept. I'm not angry at anyone. Excellent. So I then think Mrs. that's a very P, important thing to talk to your doing mind. Fantastic and keep it you? up. Mrs. P, you're doing Sorry? excellent. And then you're doing excellent. I don't have an answer to your question. How to help the kids to feel more and to be more responsible. Just don't have the answer for you right now. I will tell you, while you're speaking, I thought your question was something else. And I was researching and I found the article that we discussed in several of the programs. And that was about a Dr. Albert Meharabian in the 1950s came up with the famous, very controversial, not controversial, he has his study, but people were disputing it. And he has that 7% what people listen to are the words that we use. Means if I would just speak like this, people would only listen 7% of what I say. Then he says 30, 38% is the tone. How I do it, how I sound, and 55% is a nonverbal language of eyes, ears, body language, when we talk, what people get the message. So let's recognize only 7% is words that we use, 38% is tone, and 5% is if you can see a person, their body language has a huge effect. Right. Anyhow, thank you, Mrs. P, for calling in. We are going to go to Mrs. G on line two. Miss, oh, I'm sorry, we said we're going to go to London. Mrs. L on line three from London. You're on with Mordechai. Hi, thank you very much for taking my call. My pleasure. Um, I want to ask a question about. I want to ask a question about a friend of mine. Uh, to the entire world, she seems like a very happy-go-lucky type of person. She's yes. always the life of the party. Sure. And every like 95% of the people fall for her. And then the other 5% of people that see her for who she is, sees there's a lot of pain and a lot of hidden emotions within her. And my question is, how do I relate to this? Well, I don't a hear friend. a question yet. What is your question? My question is, what is my duty as a friend? Should I just kind of, um, what, what, what should I pay more attention to? Because it's obvious that she doesn't want to bring to the surface her depth and, and, and the pain and everything else that goes on beneath the surface. Okay. But on the other hand, it's, it's very powerful. And again, what is that your business? Like, what's it my business if your friend has that pain in the Aldavim for her? I might take a pitil to him, but that's it. What's your issue? What's your question? What's my duty as a friend? Should I, should I try, and try, try and see her and try and ask her to talk about it? Should I not ask her to talk about it? Should I just join him partying about when really I know that there's more to her than that? So this is the famous question as a therapist. When, we, when someone comes into our office, we need to evaluate. Will we help them by helping them open up? And many times the answer is no, and I won't take a case. Or can I help the person? Or will there be more damage? The first rule in the, in the medical system that they still say in Latin is like, do no harm. The first rule in, in medicine is do no harm. Are you ready to mm -hmm. have her open up? Can she handle opening up? Will she trust you to open up? How will she feel if you're from the 5% that can see through her veneer, through her, through her denial? She might hate you for that. Is it always a denial, having such an outgoing personality? Why I mean, is outgoing case, denial? Rather. We're talking about a denial when, you, as you said, the person's got a huge issues over there, and she's not working on it, and you can see it. Denial is when you don't work on your issue. We all got issues. I got issues. Whew. Big time. 
but am I working on it? Can I recognize? Am I adjusting? Denial is when the person's got a problem and they're not aware of it. And when you help them be aware, they still deny it. They go, no, you're the problem. The amount of times that I've got people coming into my office and saying, my husband, my wife is the problem. I go, what are problems do you have? Not much. I'm excellent. I got a little bit of an emotional issue, so I don't bring Parnassa. Big deal. Lots of men don't bring Parnassa. Is that a reason for my wife to be upset? Is that a reason for her not to go to the grocery? Other women go to five different groceries and they rake up a bill. So why can't my wife do it? She goes to one, one grocery and she has two groceries they don't want to give her. She says she can't be embarrassed and rake up a bill in the third, third grocery. Why not? I'll show you many women that do that. Denial is when he's not saying a husband that's not bringing in Parnassa is a problem. A wife that's yelling all the time. Or how many times do I have wives are upset at their husbands to coming for therapy for bettering their lives? How many times I have a husband that goes on medication or a wife that goes on medication and the husband's furious when they need it half the time? Or their parents needed it, and because they can't face it, they don't want their spouse to go on medication. They would rather have the fighting and the screaming than have a calm, healthy, relaxed spouse. And when I'm done with a client, they're usually strong enough to do it, and the things are changing in a healthy way, again, where the marriage doesn't fall apart. But that is denial. Denial isn't, I choose to be in denial. Denial is saying, it will be so threatening for my brain to, to change that it's much better to stay blocked. And how, I can't understand this because she's been this outgoing party type of person for so many years. How is she able to maintain her? Who said she is? Maybe, unfortunately, we'll, maybe we'll see the problems in the children. Sometimes we see problems in the grandchildren. I've seen a family where the grandparents and the parents kept it blocked, but then the, in, by the grandchildren, there was problems with every single one of them, almost. Wow. Yep, you can keep denials and blockages for maybe two, three generations, but the third generation, it explodes. That's the danger. And does denial always, denial always incorporate blaming? Always. Or, or the blame, they blame themselves. Means they can come from very dysfunctional families and instead of saying it's the other one's fault, codependent will always blame themselves. It was my fault. I should have done more. No, you shouldn't have. No, it's not healthy for you to have done more. It's time for you to start stopping to do things. But there's always blame. Either they blame themselves for everything or they blame the world for everything. But there's never a balance. Uh-huh. I see. Yeah. Okay, I think that answered me sufficiently. Thank you very much for You're your help. You're very welcome. Hatzlacha. And good luck in everything you do. Amen. Siyata Deshmaya. We are going to go to Mrs. G. You're on with Mordechai. Hi. Am I on? Yes, you are on, Al. Thank you for your okay. patience, especially when I said Mrs. G, and then we went to the one from London. So. Okay, I'm pretty nervous about a phone call. I... I took up a lot of courage to call. Wow. I am listening to your phone line. <laughs> wow. Thank you. And yes, it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of strength when your voice is recognized. And people might recognize, and then you're worried, how will you sound? And some people are worried, will I be too tough on them? Which I try not to. But yeah, there's a lot of concerns. Uh, not my concern. My heart is just beating very wildly. And I... I'm listening to your phone line since uh, probably the inception of it, and I love it, and I really am very grateful for it. Thank you so much. Yeah. So uh, my question is like this, very uh, similar to the call that I called about her 10-year-old son about self-esteem. Sure. Uh, so I have a 12-year-old son. Not 
it's not just self-esteem, it's a little bit more complicated. I did go to somebody to speak about his um, explosive behavior, mm-hmm. um, and they told me to read this book, The Let's, Explosive don't, Child. Don't, I was going to say, don't, don't, let's not mention the book okay. on here, because okay, people I'm then, sorry. yeah, it's okay, then people right away take it as a hashkama, someone mentioned it, oh. read it, and who knows what goes on in there, could be great hashkama, could be bad hashkama, could be mm-hmm. whatever, yeah, I usually try not to, okay. Okay, so I'm basically aware of the concept, and I see it, I see it a lot in him, but I feel a little bit blind, let's say I'm sitting on, I, I have a heart, like I, He's a very mature kid, like a old soul kind of kid. Yes. Um, so as an adult, as acting it to him as an adult, I don't have a problem. I could have a great time with him. Oh, hold on one but second. Like, Let's just take a step back over here because this is almost going into a parenting question. So let me shift it to you a second. You can have a great like brother-sister or like adult relationship. Do you have the ability to be assertive, to say no, stop? Yes, you- yes. Okay, now here's the personal question, choose to answer or not. Is your husband explosive? No. Then something doesn't add up. And how do you have a kid that's explosive? If you're able to be assertive, because the two ways kids are explosive, if either the parents do not, to, do not know how to be assertive and how to stop it and how to train them, or if one of the parents have that. Those are the only two ways that I can think of, or unless there's trauma going on in your kid's life. Um, he did have a hard time in yeshiva with kids. It's still not excusable because when kids do have that, the parents will know how to deal with it with their assertiveness. Okay, so I'm trying to figure it out because I really want to I wanna help him and I want him to open up. But what I do you do like when I'm he gets upset? What do you do when he explodes? Um, I just tell him to do what he's supposed to. And what happens? He'll do it very angrily. First, he'll be very, like, he'll kick and uh, knock doors down and whatever, but then he'll calm down. Afterwards, he'll be quite calmer. And I do see an improvement, but it's still there. He still gets very, very before upset. You read the book, before you read the book, did you know how to, did you know how to deal with his explosiveness? Um, I think so. I... I did stick to my guns, yes. I, like, the book didn't, I mean... Right. It didn't I, I don't have an answer. I don't, it's just, uh-huh. things aren't adding up, not because I don't want to, and not because I think you're in denial or that I don't. I, I would need to really do, like, a, here's where I would need to have more a history, find out what happened in school, speak to him, ask him what bothers him, if he's 12 years old and if he's expressive, ask him, why do you get so angry? He's not so expressive. So that's when we would try some of the play therapy tools, like I call it more object tools, where take a piece that's really bothering you, what's eating you up, which piece are you looking at all the time? Like you would use them different tools to try to get him to speak. But it just takes... If, a l- I, if I try to speak to him, anything to that effect, he's just going to like do like body or sound language. He's not going to want to look at me in the eye. So that's, that's where you, I would recommend that you, again, here I would recommend you send them to a, a therapist, to a play therapist. And the reason why I say play therapist, usually you don't do it with 12-year-olds, but you'll, they might be able to help them express themselves in, in the modality of objects. But we need to get it out. We need to know what's going on in there. Oops. All right. We are going to go to line one. Is there a way we can get the name, Aaron? Maybe we can just get the name of the person, so, like give a letter so I don't have to call by the name. We're trying not to call them by their first names. 
So if you can just ask them line one, what letter can we call them? Okay. Hello? Yes. All right. You know what? Okay. <coughs> so you're on with Mordechai. Okay. My letter is E. <laughs> e. That's a good one. Okay. Mrs. Okay. E. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I think that I have a solution for my problem. Right. I'm not 100% comfortable with it, and I'm not sure it's going to get the results that I want. So um, let me tell you a little bit about it. Go ahead. Um, okay, so generally in my life I'm working on accepting what the universe sends me. So um, something happened recently, and I thought to myself, you Just know, for well... people, when people hear the word universe, it's, it's more in that um, lingo. <laughs> we say Rabbi Nishleilam. HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh okay. Baruch Hu. Right, right. Now I got you clear. I'm saying I, I read it, and I'm involved in some of those worlds as well, but yes... For those so, listening, I'm going to um, say, who's the universe? Like, like, what are we talking about here? Yeah. Right. Okay. So thank you for translating. Yeah, so you're working on learning to accept. Right. But, but I don't feel that I, in this situation I, sh- I should accept. So, Go ahead. Um, so what happens is there, there is a, um, there's an assisted living place in my neighborhood, and uh, I started to go, and there's a, a resident there who happens, well, there's a resident there who started like a Shabbos tish. Yes. And uh, I think I came once, and people sort of heard me sing, and I, I have a beautiful voice, can I hire her? So he, he always asked me, like, you know, he hopes I'll come next Shabbos and next Shabbos. So I started coming on a pr- pretty regular basis. And I would support him. We would sing the Gunam together and try to get people involved, and... Uh, and I'm, I'm very happy in this role. It's really the first opportunity I've had to do that, but it, it's very much what I'm good at. And Anyway, once I brought uh, a song uh, where I, I, made out, I made copies for everybody, it was a song that was in English. Anyway, so two weeks ago on a Friday night I went there, and I again brought a song that I, I had made copies for everyone so they could join in with the words. So... So when we sang the song, he said, this is not a song for Shabbos. And he went on and on and on about it. I, I was very hurt by it. And uh, I guess I also feel like I lost his approval, but I shouldn't need his approval. I realize that. But the thing is, I haven't gone back since then. Um, the song was in English, but it was a beautiful song uh, from, from the sitter about God's unending love for the Jewish people and our love and support for each other. So I don't think there's ever a wrong time to sing that, but he likes it to be songs that people are familiar with. He said, this isn't Smiros. And I said, but I get it. He wants a more traditional type singing in the the assisted living, and and you're more comfortable with a little bit more modern... Well, once in a while I bring, I like those, and once in a while I bring them. Usually I sing, we sing a lot of Karla Bach which we both know. Right. So usually that's what it is. He okay. doesn't usually like to do Zemiras, because sa- even that, he says they don't know the words. Okay. Anyway, so I, I haven't gone back since then. I, I handled myself, I think, very well at the table. I was mortified, because he went on and on about it, instead of just being patient for the two minutes now, the song I'm would take. I'm assuming that this person is an older gentleman? He's an older gentleman, which is one of the reasons I'm not so comfortable with my solution. So usually I would just I would just let it go and also say, you know, this is Bashert, so whatever, it's good for me that, that it happened somehow. But um, 
I can't go back and I can't sing with him. Wait, why can't you go back and why can't you? First of all, I, I mean, I'm just curious. You know, I have no idea the halacha even of being in these places, but let's make the assumption halachically it's permissible. Why can't you go back? Because, because, because I feel controlled by him, by what he did. And I'm not going to. I'm not going to be in a situation like now that. Let's, now let me ask you something. Do you find in your life that you feel controlled by people? Because to me, anyone that's dealing with an elderly person knows this is the most common reaction that they have. Their patience is on a lower, like a more tighter string, and they'll get upset. I mean, this is anyone like like if you're in the therapy business, you're assuming that you're going to get attacked. You're assuming people are going to come in depressed. You're assuming people are going to tell you, you have the best life in the world and my life is horrible. You're going to have people coming in complaining about whatever price you charge. When I was $50 for an hour and a half, they complained, then I'm so expensive and that. I'm saying there are certain givens in every field. If you're going to be working with the elderly people, their tenseness or if they get upset or if they're having a bad mood or if one of their medications are affecting them, they're going to let it out. Yeah, so so I do realize that I, I actually I I also work in the field of mental health myself. Right. Um, Wait, so how do you deal with that? I mean, this. I mean, between me and you, not that I want to compare, but to me, this would be like a, 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 before I even get a good morning from a client, I would get like that. I get with You're a secretary like a list of fifteen messages uh, every day. I mean, the complaints, the this, the that, like. To me, that shouting, like my backbone or my thickness or my protectiveness that I have around myself, like what can we do to build that up? If you're going to work with the elderly population, and if you're in the mental health, oh, you're going to get shout out, complained. Sure, that's why I appreciate the brachas. That's why I always ask people to continue sending brachas and their thank yous because the negatives are out there all the time. Well, usually I don't have a problem with it. Uh, there are people in my family that were controlling, and I, I have developed boundaries. Excellent. Um, now, is your boundary, was your boundary dropping them and not dealing with them, or was your boundary how to deal with them and set up the parameters? The people in my family? Yeah. I, I didn't, well, there were many years that I couldn't have anything to do with them. Okay, so let's stop a second. That might be your, that might be your initial gut instinct. Is there a way you can set up parameters with this guy that if I do something and you're upset, you can't yell? You can't berate me. That doesn't happen. Well, my, what I'm planning on doing is I'm planning on writing him a letter. I don't have his phone number. I'm not comfortable. I'm not comfortable going over to him and starting this conversation. because uh, Because honestly... I believe he owes me an apology. Okay, but how could he apologize if you don't if you don't initiate it for him to apologize? Well, he saw he saw me in the elevator there the other day, and he was outside the elevator, and he said, "Esther, you look like you have something on your mind." And I right. didn't think that was the right thing to say. Well, either, he might since, not be aware. You know? He might do this. This might be his personality, and we need to make him aware. This does not happen with me. Okay, so that's why I wanted to write this letter ah. that 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 his words you know, caused me pain, and uh, that if he would have been able to just wait two minutes, the song would have been over if he didn't like it. And even if he disagrees, that I think it's a song that, uh, you know, is a beautiful song to sing at any time. Now let me so, ask you something. What would yeah. it take for you to be strong that you can tell to him directly? <laughs> I would like that so much more than a letter, because I, I could see him going, Esther, it's no big deal, I'm so sorry, why are you so upset? Now, he's not that everyone. kind of a guy. He's a pretty. He's a guy who, who yells at the people if they don't bench with him, and he's very open to me usually. And I try to tell him right. it doesn't go that so way. Ask, you so know. What would help you give you the power to be able to just say sorry, sir? 
I guess seeing the good in him and feeling like I love him. So do that. That's see that you love him to my and mind. see that it was a mistake that he did, but he still has to own up to it. We can love someone, they can make mistakes, but they still need to say, I am sorry. And even say, he might even say, and to do tshuva, next job is bring the English goyish song that I don't like and I'll even sing along. He might even have a little sarcastic humor. Let... Let, yeah, but what if he doesn't? What if he doesn't do that? And I don't then think you he's tell him, apologize. I want you to be aware that I will then run my own tish in the old age home. But I can't. <laughs> I can't because there aren't enough people to come to. <laughs> well, then you might run a shalashudas. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just want you to realize it doesn't have to be on Shabbos. It could be a Sunday, a Monday, a Tuesday. There are so many options out there. Let's not get limited by one person that holds us back. The amount of times that I see leaders, and I mean that they have inner leadership abilities and strengths within themselves, but they're not utilizing it because someone held them back. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many times people told me this phone line is terrible? It's horrible. And other it's comments. It's hard to imagine, yeah. Well, uh, it's not hard to imagine. Imagine people yeah. are in denial. Imagine when you've got families that are getting better and those that, are, that have caused all that abuse. I've actually got a beautiful letter. I'm probably going to be reading it on my phone line where someone told me, I cannot believe when I came to your client seven months ago, I said, your phone line is poison and it ruined my life. And now after seven months of therapy saying, wow, my entire life has changed and I'm a better person. Again, part of me has got to be able to handle it. I get those messages. And so can we, you go through go through it with me? Like, so if he was, in other words, I I'll should tell, tell him basically that he owes me an play. apology. I gotta, I, let's do a little role play. You that be he you. owes me an apology? Yeah, you do you, and I'll be and I'll be him. And I'll first go the easy, nice way, and then I'll be the tough guy. Okay. No, let's do first tough. Let's do that way. Go ahead. Okay, so... Don't call I don't me know by my right name. Don't say the real name. So call yeah, me whatever yeah. name you want. Call so me Mordechai, yeah. uh, I don't know if, if you realize, but two weeks ago, Friday night, when I brought the song in English, instead of just patiently waiting for it to be over for two minutes, uh, you were very rude to me, and my feelings were very hurt. You bring Goyish songs over here into Shabbos thing, and you're still calling it English words ah, tui, on a Shabbos Kodesh, and you... And, and you want me to apologize for that? Where's your seichel? <laughs> um, well, I, I, guess, I guess we disagree about what's... Okay, uh, let's do role reverse. You be him and I'll be you. Okay. Um, you know, Reb Chaim, I, 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 last week I brought in the papers and you started yelling. You embarrassed me. We had such a good time. I got so hurt that I don't want to participate anymore. And I think if you apologize to me and you realize what you did wrong, I might change and feel better and, and c- continue coming back. All right, so so the, so the positive response is, uh, okay, no, Esther, no, 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 I'm, Be I'm, the tough one. Be the tough one. Just, just act one. like you're him. No, I, I, don't, I don't want I don't want my my Shabbos tish to go in this direction. I like only to give them songs that they know because they don't sing anyway. They sit there like idiots. That's really how he talks to me. Okay. He, they sit there like idiots the whole Shabbos, and I'm the only one singing. I, I and you should have asked me. It's my table. You did. Okay, Reb Chaim, you happen to be very right about a lot of those points, and I understand that you have an image that you have in mind how you want the Shabbos table to run, and I understand you put all your kaiches and all your efforts that it should run. Well, let's recognize I'm also a person. So if I do something that you don't like, if we're going to continue working in the future, I probably will be doing things that you don't like. I'd like you to go over to me and say, Esterol, I know you mean good, but this bothers me a lot. Can we, can we please, you know, put this on hold right now, discuss it during the week, and we'll see next week what we're going to do. We'll, we'll work out next week during, but right now, could you just put it on hold? Would that be good for you? 
but you can't yell at me, you can't be rude, and you can't attack me. That hurts me, and that I won't be able, I will not continue. But I do want to stay here, and I do want to continue it because I like it, and I like helping people. Yes, I can do that. I, I, I'm sorry. How I didn't realize I was yelling at you. Excellent. So let's just do a practice. So just imagine I'm putting out the papers, and you look at that. Now what would you tell me? I don't understand. You mean another time? Yeah, let's just imagine. So if I, if we could do it over this way, I know, because I want to make sure that I will have the right words, that I don't get take it too personal. So I'm putting out the papers, and you see it's English words over there, talking about the love that Rabbi Shalom has to Klai Yisrael, and you're insulted. What are you going to tell me? What am I as, uh, whatever, Mr. X, what am I going to tell you? Yeah. Yeah, well, Rabbi So I'll well, tell you what, I'd like you to I'll say... Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what he'll say, he'll say, but it's not. It's also going to hurt my feelings. If he comes over to me, he's going to come over to me and say in a quiet voice, please don't do this song. But that's going to hurt me just as no, much because so I don't think he should do it in that's public. That's right. That's why we're practicing it. So, Rabbi Chaim, what I'd like you to say is I appreciate all the heart and thinking and thought that you're putting in that this should work out. Let's discuss it during the week because right now this is going to affect me. Mm. Okay. Assertive. That's- Assertive, but it's also clear. Saying, I will stop immediately. Uh, I will stop it immediately, and we'll discuss it during the week, but at the same time... But that hurts me if I have to stop it. For some reason, that hurts me. That's already a whole different issue, because Mm -hmm. we need to be tough enough, as I said, to go through the process in life. We need to be able to sometimes schwag. We need to be able to have this appropriate time to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Which means if there's a if there's a surgery going on and the and the surgeon is upset at his wife, it's not appropriate when the person's having a heart attack and doing open heart surgery. Now I got to talk to my wife about it. Now you got to save the life, and after that you'll deal with it. There's appropriate times for everything, and if you're not able to handle the person disagreeing or being tough, then that's already more inner work to be able to handle that. Part of life is going to be getting criticism and comments from people. So it's okay to actually, in the conversation, ask him for an apology sure, and set up okay. some boundaries about how it, we discuss things in the future. That's right. And you even right. practice it. You practice the boundary because he might say yes and he must still might not get the level that you're referring to. That's why right. you want to practice it. So I'm putting out over the paper what you're going to do. I'm very comfortable with that. There's a li- uh, another little question at- attached to this situation that I'd I'll like tell to you, ask you about. If we can go, I want to finish at 1.30 because I still got a minchot to uh, make. We're going to go an okay. hour and a half. I went a little extra because I wanted to finish this part of the question. So due to the simcha, I'm trying to keep balancing all over, including with my clients. So I want to make a mincha in 20 so, minutes. Thank you so much. My, the, the, yes. the time I enjoy most in my life is when I listen to your, your, your radio show. I, I listen to it. Not, I don't mean the live ones. I don't usually catch that. But yeah. when I listen, I, I'm amazed that you always have an answer. It's always a brilliant answer, and I learned so much from you. Thank, Thank you so you. much. You should I be blessed humbled. to continue for many Thank years. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And Aaron, we're going to stop over here because I'm going to need to go. I'd like to thank everyone, and especially all these people that are waiting over here to get back. And I know, Mrs. G, that we got cut off, but I apologize to everyone and thank you. And also as well to all those... Um, to all those people that have texted over here, I apologize that we're not able to let go and to go address that, especially the person that asked about letting go. What happens if they don't remind their husband about medication? They'll forget it could be dangerous. You need a pro- you need real guidance about this stuff and the levels of codependence. And with Siyat HaDashmaya, may we all continue to share in Simchas and to continue to see Simchas and with Gans Klai but most importantly, that we should have the Geula Shleima and have the ultimate Simcha with the Rabbeinu Shleilam, the Urshel of Yasin, 
And may we just have nachos and simchas, and whoever needs refuah should get the refuah. Whoever needs children should have children. Whoever needs a shidduch should have a shidduch. Whoever needs parnasa should have the parnasa. And to have an inner happiness, an inner peacefulness, an inner excitement about life and in the way that we are living. With siyata deshmaya, we all be zeichet to that. And thank you all for the comments, for the feedback, and for the strength, and for just me being me and letting you guys be you. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful opportunity. I really appreciate this program for that and the schus to be able to be this part and to have you guys participating all together. Thank you. <laughs>